But you know, I uh, uh, always struggle with gifts. I love getting gifts, but I've got this massive fear that I'm going to get the wrong thing. I'm not going to get the right thing. I'm going to disappoint the people that I'm giving the gifts to. Anybody else like that? I love doing it, but I'm always afraid. And full disclosure, in our home, Deanna does most of the shopping for the gifts, including her own. (laughs) But there's a reason for that. It works out well for both of us, I I promise you. One year, I actually uh, bought her an outfit, uh, some clothes. And the kids were small and everything. But she opened it up, and when she saw it, she went, she tissed my gift. I mean, seriously, you'd have had to have been there. Obviously, I did not deliver that well enough for you to get the impact that was right here, you know, when she tisked my gift. Now, I forgave her for tisking. She forgave me for the gift, and, 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 and we set a pattern that she gets her, uh, her own gifts, but I actually, I actually do shop, and I do have some surprises usually uh, as well. But are you a good gift giver, or are you a good gift receiver? Have you ever been disappointed with a gift you received? Have you ever been disappointed? I think we actually all have, if we're honest. And no, you're not going to raise your hand now because the person that gave it to you is probably sitting beside you. But this whole thing of gift giving and all the pressure and everything that goes along with it, when did that all start? You know, as I do some historical research, it's really difficult to discern when gift giving actually began. Some say it was around the fourth century and it centered around uh, St. Nicholas, but it looks like the modern day type of gift giving that we do, of giving and receiving gifts, happened really sometime in the 1800s and it began in New York and then it caught on all over the world uh, and everything. Some in Christian circles uh, we'll trace it back and say that, okay, gift giving, we do that because the wise men gave gifts to Jesus, right? So we look at when they came and they saw Jesus, they gave him gifts, gold, frankincense, uh, and myrrh. But when we get past the presents, when we get past the food, we get past uh, the family gatherings, and some of you will breathe a sigh of relief when all of that's done, right? We come back to what Christmas is really all about which is Jesus, and I would suggest to you that the pinnacle of gift giving started right there. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, that's a book of the Bible the Apostle Paul wrote, and he says this, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. His indescribable gift. The Apostle Paul is writing, and that's how he saw Jesus, as an indescribable gift. Now, we spend a lot of time and energy around here trying to describe that gift. And I'm going to do some more of that today. If you have never been to church before, or you've never tuned in online before, and it's Christmas, and you thought, we need to do a churchy thing or whatever. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've never been to church ever, you've still heard this verse most likely. In John chapter 3, verse 16, It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. All right, everybody in the building and online, you've heard that verse before, right? Anybody not? Raise your hand if you've never heard that before because I want to be shocked and amazed, 
right? That's so common. That's common in our world today uh, to understand that verse or to have heard that verse. God is the best gift giver. We see it in that verse. In fact, there's another verse that tells us the gift that he gives doesn't disappoint. If you've ever been disappointed in a gift, God gives gifts that don't disappoint. It says this in Romans chapter 5, this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. So if you've ever been disappointed before, trust me on this one. You're not going to be disappointed with the gift that God gives you. Next few minutes, I want to talk about this indescribable gift and why it does not lead to disappointment. Going back to John 3, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave. We'll stop right there for a moment. We see God's motive for giving was love. He had a passion for you and for me. God's love motivated that giving. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, sometimes uh, our motives for giving uh, can be all over the map, right? Sometimes we give because we love someone and we want to do that. Uh, sometimes we give because of uh, obligation, right? Well, they gave me a gift, so I've got to give them a gift. Or they gave me one last year, and I wonder if they're going to do that again this year. And oh no, if I don't, right? I might get embarrassed and my reputation and all that thing, right? So we can have impure motives. We can even give gifts to win favor to try to bring people on side with us. You know, God's motive was pure. It was all about love. He loved the world. He loved the world because he created the world. He created humanity. And humanity actually went a different way than God wanted them to. Not than what he expected, but than what his perfect desire would have been. But when humanity did that, God never stopped loving. You know, if you're a parent today, you can understand that a little bit. If you have a kid who's done stuff that has even broken your heart, likely you still didn't stop loving. And that's what God did. His motive for giving was, was love. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 says, If you sinful people, that's everybody on the planet, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, Christmas, it's all about Jesus, but the celebrations that we do, it's really kind of about the kids, right? We celebrated a bit yesterday with the extended family and things, and it was all about the kids. The kids had fun. The adults were hard to get along with and stuff, but, you know, anyway, I'm joking, really, I promise. But the kids, it's all about the kids, and they're having so much fun, and we try to give gifts to the kids. Even if you don't have kids, if you're around kids, you want to see kids at Christmas because they light up, and it's, it is exciting, we try to give them good gifts. God is a better gift giver than us, he says here. He says, even though you try really hard and you give them good gifts, how much more so does your heavenly father give good gifts? See, he loved us so much that he gave. That motive ensures us that his gift will not disappoint us. Let's look back at John 3 again. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God's gift was a sacrifice. That makes it precious. It was costly. It was the most costly gift ever given. What's the most costly gift you have ever given? 
Was it costly financially? Uh, maybe it cost you some time and energy, and that's the way you displayed your love and your motive for giving uh, through that giving, and it cost you something. If a gift costs you something, uh, it, it, there's a difference than an obligatory thing where you just did a token gift. It costs something. And it says here that it was God's one and only son. And I thought about that this week. And first time I ever thought about this, it's like, it's not like he had 10 sons. And he could say, ah, I can get rid of one of them, right? I can send one of those 10. It was the only one he had. So it cost him. It was the most costly thing for him. He had everything. God created the universe. He owns everything. He could have given us anything, but he gave us the one thing that would cost him the most, his one and only son. So it's precious. So it's motivated by love. He gave the most precious gift, the sacrifice. His sacrifice ensures that we will not be disappointed. Back at John 3 again. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's gift met our need, so his gift was personal. You know, you ever get gifts that you don't need? You open and maybe you tisk it like, what's this? What am I supposed to do with this? You'd much rather get something that you need, wouldn't you? Right? Like, I got golf balls. I got two boxes of golf balls. And I probably needed six boxes of golf balls because I lose golf balls when I play golf twice a year. And when we get a gift we need, it's different than getting that gift that we're not even sure what to do with or what they were thinking when they gave us that gift. God gave us a gift that met our deepest need. It wasn't just random because it said that we should not perish we had a need. We were on our way to perishing. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then he goes on in Romans chapter 5, and he says that there is a great difference between Adam's sin, he says we've all sinned and come short of glory of God, and God's gift. God's gift is greater than Adam's sin. It says this in uh, verse 17 of chapter 5. Sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. See, we were born sinners by nature, but we also commit sins experientially. Any sinners in the house? Any sinners online, praise God, I see those hands, right, right? If you're not raising your hand, you're sinning right now, all right? <laughs> We're all sinners, and our sin brings death, but God's gift brings life. The fact that we need this gift guarantees us it's not going to lead to disappointment. Finally, God's gift was unique. God's gift was unique. It was priceless. You couldn't put a price on it. You know, I, I told you earlier, I like to get the right gift for people. And honestly, I, I, uh, I try to be a good steward of the money God gives me and everything. But at times, it's like, money's not the object. I don't care what it's going to cost me if I can get the right gift. I don't care how hard I'm going to have to work to make that happen, to make sure that someone's not disappointed because I'm a fixer. And if there's a problem, I like to fix it, and I like to find solutions. 
the need that we had could not be fixed by anything we could do or any amount of money we could spend or anything. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. This gift was not able to be bought. It's not able to be earned. It's not able to be worked for at all. It's the only gift that would do the trick. There were not multiple options. The only place you can get it. It's not sold in stores. It's directly from God, the greatest gift giver. And because this gift is unique, it will not disappoint. So you might say, okay, yeah, John 3, 16, all that. What does this have to do with me today? Well, let me ask you once again. Have you ever been dis disappointed with a gift you received? Have you? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God is the greatest gift giver, and this gift he gives gives hope that will not disappoint. God's gift does not disappoint because it's motivated by love. He was passionate for you and for me. So he gave the gift. It was given through sacrifice. Cost him everything, so it was precious. It meets our greatest need, so it's personal. And it's unique, not available any other way, so it's priceless. You know, the nature of a gift is that it's given freely. Look at this passion. It's precious. It's personal. It's priceless but it's a gift. When you got your gift or gifts this morning or when you get them later today, what do you have to do to make that gift yours? You only have to receive it, right? You just have to say, yes. It's nice to say thank you, right? <laughs> but all you have to do is receive it. You open it and it's yours. No strings attached. That's what a real gift is. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. We just have to receive it. We just have to say, yes, I would like that gift. I would like that gift that doesn't disappoint. I would like that gift that you are offering me, God. It's as simple as surrendering and saying yes to Jesus. All you have to do is say, yes, I accept Jesus, you know, you could do that right now. You could do that right now today. This could be the greatest Christmas you have ever had because you could receive the greatest gift that you'll ever receive and you will not be disappointed with this gift. As we wrap up, I'm gonna ask everyone, bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm gonna tell you once again how you can receive this gift. And if you're not a church person, if I could have the lights still, please. If you're not a church person, maybe you only come around on Christmas, maybe sometimes on Easter, but you've heard this today and you've heard about this gift that doesn't disappoint and you've lived life in such a way that you're regularly disappointed. 
but something's resonating with you right now about the gift that God gave you that was priceless, that was precious, that was personal, meeting your need. And you're saying, I want that gift. It's really simple. Heads bowed and eyes are closed. I want you to just say a short little prayer. And I'm going to say it, and you can just repeat it after me. It's this simple. You just pray this prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. And that's it. Now, some of you might have been sitting there thinking, I I might want to do this, but I'm afraid of this prayer. What's this prayer going to be? Well, I just told you what the prayer is. And maybe you didn't pray it that first time, but I'm going to give you a chance to do it again right now. Just right after me, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, if you said that prayer, I want to know about it because I want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask you to do something really bold, but heads are bowed, eyes are closed. My eyes are open. I want to see your hand. I want you to just raise your hand. If you said that prayer today, Jesus, I give you my life. Just raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand. I see those hands. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Any more? You said that prayer today. Jesus, I give you my life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hands all over the building. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. At the end of the service today, I'm going to invite you to come up the front. Some of our elders will be up here. Pastor will be up here. We'd love to talk to you about that decision you just made. Or if that's a little bit scary, you can just scan the QR code on the back of your chair and let us know about the decision you made. And we can follow up with you later in the week. But that step you just took is the most important thing that you will ever do in your life. And it's a gift that won't disappoint. I'm gonna pray for you right now. Father, thank you so much for being a God who is motivated by passion and love to give the greatest gift, to give the gift that would meet our need, to make it personal for us, to give us something that cost you, that was a sacrifice, to give us something that was unique, that we couldn't get any other way, that we couldn't earn. Thank you for your love that you poured out on Jesus for us. And for all those hands that went up today, Lord, I want to thank you so much for that. Lord, as we're coming to the end of a year, Lord, I just pray for these people who raised their hands, who said that prayer. Lord, we know that's not the last time they'll need to talk to you. They'll have other things they need to say to you. But Lord, thank you that they've offered their life to you and they've accepted your free gift. And I just pray that you would help them have the courage to tell us about it and to start this new journey with you. And Father, for the rest of us, Lord, thank you for the reminder today of the precious gift that you gave us when you sent Jesus into this world, into those humble surroundings, to live a life that would be offered up for us as the indescribable gift in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand up. And as we get ready to sing one more song, go ahead and stand. Today, many of us, this was a reminder of what Christmas is all about, of the precious, priceless, personal gift God passionately gave to us. And I want you to say with me what Paul said when he said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Okay, can we say that together? We'll say it in two parts. We'll go thanks be to God and then the indescribable, okay? Here we go. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift.
Let's say that again. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen.